This episode is sponsored by Code Health. Code connects healthcare providers to the largest community of medical coding professionals in the country with over 4,600 domestic certified coders. As a single stop for all coding needs, Code's on-demand model has solved for daily staffing challenges and coding inefficiencies by allowing providers to access the right coder at the right time while gaining insights to better manage their coding operations. To learn more about Code, visit CodeHealth.com, that's K-O-D-E Health.com, or email Code directly at partnerships at CodeHealth.com. The hottest healthcare finance stories of 2021, today on HFMA's Voices in Healthcare Finance podcast. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Erica Grotto. This is our last episode for 2021, and it's a pretty special one. If you listen regularly, you know that from time to time, I'll bring on a member of our team to talk about a piece of content from the magazine or hfma.org. Well, today I've got the whole team joining me to talk about the best of our content from 2021 and what's to come in 2022. First up, we've got a few familiar voices for a special year-end edition of Beyond the News. Here's Senior Editor Nick Hutt and Policy Director Sean Stack. Hi, everyone. Uh, For this year-end extravaganza episode, Sean and I are talking about the big stories in healthcare finance in 2021 and looking ahead to 2022. It doesn't take a lot of insight to know that the pandemic was a big story in 2021 as it was in 2020. I think at the start of 2021, we were all hoping we'd be further along and putting it behind us. For hospitals, it's taken a financial toll without a doubt. For example, according to Kaufman Hall's most recent set of data, operating margins in October were down by 31.5% compared with October 2019. Sean, what about the financial straits that hospitals have found themselves in this year? It's just a very challenging environment. Right, Nick. I mean, I think that many of our hospitals, especially rural hospitals and, and hospitals you know, that have struggled with some of these delays in scheduled care, have really faced some tough times this year. I mean, currently providers are waiting to hear on, on phase four payments. We're hoping to hear something back this week or next week on the provider relief fund for phase four payments. And of course, that I think it's $25.5 billion in the latest distribution has been targeted to assist promoting equity and support for providers most in need, like small providers, and a targeted $8.5 billion of the $25.5 billion to rural funding. So phase four is also taking into consideration providers with higher concentrations of patients on Medicaid, CHIP, and Medicare patients. So that can be some welcome relief for some of those providers still massively struggling with the delays in care and workforce shortages and delays in funding from the pandemic. And then, of course, there's the workforce-related issues, the toll on frontline caregivers, first and foremost, but also support staff and administrative staff continues to be profound. I was kind of surprised and honestly a little relieved to see that in November, hospital employment was within 2% of pre-pandemic levels. That's according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics. But still, if you talk to anyone at most any hospital, you'll understand that this is having a massive effect on the workforce in terms of burnout and mental health and on turnover and recruitment. Sean, from your engagement with providers, how are organizations holding up and where can they go from here? 
workforce shortages continue to be top of mind for all employers and their colleagues who are working hard to cover shortages in all aspects of the market. But healthcare is certainly no different. And some would argue even more challenging given the advanced education and training required for our workforce. I believe we are going to see increased focus on investments in 24 seven clinical rotations to get physicians online faster and investments in community and medical colleges to get more workforce trained. And then a strong focus after talking to many of our members on employer building retention programs that help workforce lead more rewarding, supportive and appreciative lifestyles like mental health benefits and just supportive benefits for our clinicians that are putting in long hours and need help with laundry services, daycare. I think there's going to be a lot of employer focused retention efforts put into the workforce moving forward. So as we look ahead to 2022, first of all, we've got the Omicron variant looming, and that could very well constitute yet another wave of COVID-19. We've got the return of the Medicare payment sequester starting in April, although Congress did just recently provide a, a decent measure of relief on a larger package of cuts that had been scheduled to amount to 6% of Medicare fee-for-service payments. We've also got year two of price transparency with greater penalties. It'll be year one of the new surprise billing regulations, which we've discussed in several previous episodes. So what's on your radar in terms of healthcare policy and regulation? So you mentioned, you know, sequestration was delayed until April of 2022, when just 1% will come back. And then the full 2% is slated to come back in July of 2022. But we'll see what happens with the, you know, looming pandemic and whether the feds decide to hold off on that sequestration even further. And then, of course, we did avoid PAYGO going into effect until at least January 1st of 2023. So that will offer quite a bit of relief to hospitals in those slash Medicare funding. You know, no surprises continues to be top of mind for providers more than ever heading into 2022 when convening and co-providers focus on building workflows to meet the disclosure requirements for both scheduled insured and self-pay patients and then insured out-of-network patients. Although the tri-agencies and CMS have neglected to hold health plans accountable for their heavy hands in surprise billing, the industry is counting on the federal agencies to step up those regulations more in 22, which means continued changes and workflow build in this area for providers as well, even in 2022 and 2023. And then last, I think what came out of last week's legislation package is that the Medicare radiation oncology model has been delayed for one year as of now. So HFMA will be watching that closely and providing feedback to CMS as it tweaks that important model over the next 12 months to make it more successful and transparent for providers. So big changes still to come for 2022 as we wrap up 2021, and it will be an interesting year to say the least. No question about that. Uh, we certainly all hope it will be a smoother, less stressful, and a safer year for everyone in healthcare than the last couple of years have been. Sean, a very happy holiday to you and yours and to Erica and Linda and the rest of our 2021 award-winning podcast team, and certainly to our listeners and to everyone working in healthcare. We definitely hope you're able to enjoy your holiday because it's been quite a year. Thank you, Nick. Happy holidays. Thanks, Nick and Sean, for that update. Uh, speaking of news, I'm excited now to introduce someone whose voice is new to the podcast, but whose work has been referenced more than once on our podcast. Senior Editor Deb Filipek, welcome. 
Hey, Erica. I'm happy to join you today. Your role is unique on our team, and I think it has you reading, correct me if I'm wrong, every piece of copy that we produce. So you're also looking at other industry publications. You're absorbing all kinds of things that are happening in healthcare. So this year you took all of that and you started a blog and it's gotten pretty good traction on HFMA.org. Tell me about it. Sure. Thanks to being featured in our daily e-newsletter and through posts on LinkedIn, more people have become aware of my Healthcare News of Note blog. One very popular blog post featured a story about nurses planning to leave their current jobs because of the negative impact on their health and well-being. Another blog that seemed to catch people's attention quoted a report on two of the nation's largest health insurance companies falling behind on billions of dollars in payments to hospitals. There is so much news out there that no one can keep up with it on their own. So each week, I review dozens of reports, studies, news releases, and original reporting. And then in my blog, I present the week's top three stories. Better yet, each blog is a quick three to four minute read. Yeah. And the two issues that you mentioned, the nurses planning to leave their jobs, of course, we're seeing that everywhere right now and insurance companies falling behind on payments, big, big issues for our member organizations. So really nice, quick hit things to stay current on what's happening in the industry. So if listeners want to check out your blog and find out what you're writing about next, where can they find it? Go to hfma.org forward slash news. All right. Thanks so much, Deb, for joining me. Take care. Another great place to get real-time information is in our community where HFMA members meet and talk about issues they're facing in their organizations. Here to talk about that is our community manager, Melanie Binder. Hi, Melanie. Hi, Erica. Thanks for having me today. Tell me about what's been hot in the community lately. So the hottest topic in the community right now is about the No Surprises Billing Act. Since this takes effect as of January 1st, 2022, I've noticed a lot of questions regarding templates, uh, good faith estimates, CMS information. There's also some great peer feedback on how best to prepare your organization for these upcoming deadlines. Our staff has also been posting updates as they're received. And a lot of these discussions you can find in the revenue cycle and payment reimbursement forums, and they contain some very detailed answers. Also, look for a community post that lists um, a bunch of links to all these discussion questions, links to some recent HFMA blog posts, information about open office hours that we're holding, and about our upcoming workshop in January on this topic as well. We know that there will be some challenging questions, uh, so feel free to join your community forums to stay connected, post about your needs, and receive timely guidance from your industry peers. Some other topics that have been widely viewed and discussed in the community this year have been topics such as accounts receivable, staffing and performance standards, general productivity metrics and the tools reports used to measure, study tips for HFMA certifications, tips on creating a centralized scheduling prior authorization department, and a cost report update for COVID-19 public health emergency days. Another popular post in our community callouts in the open forum where members shared their story about why they joined HFMA and they also shared their favorite HFMA memory as well. You know, surprise billing, as you mentioned, very, 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 very hot topic right now. Um, and some of these others, definitely things that, again, just as we talked about with Deb, um, that our members are really concerned about, they're thinking about. And, and it's great seeing 
members being able to connect with each other, discuss what they're doing, um, what's working for them, what's not working, sharing the, their ideas. So that's um, the community is a, is a great place to be for all that. So thank you, Melanie, for joining me. Thank you, Erica. Next up, I want to dive into our member magazine, HFM. If you are an HFMA member, you know it contains a wealth of information in every issue from expert reviewed articles by industry leaders to columns to pieces by our own writers. Every member of our team works on HFM in some capacity, but today I'm delighted to be speaking with senior editors Eric Reese and Crystal Malazzo about two special pieces from 2021. Hi, Eric and Crystal. Hi, Erica. Hi, it's great to be here. Eric, I want to start with you. One of the most popular pieces in HFM this year was the economics of a telehealth visit, a time-based study at Penn Medicine by Neil Ravitz, Sean Luby, Calvin Jordan, and Andrew Kanoff. This piece dug into how telehealth visits are paid and sought to answer the question, should they be paid at the same rates as in-office visits? You worked closely with the authors of this piece, and obviously telehealth, huge, big topic that everyone is talking about this year. So tell me about what the authors did and their findings. This was an important piece, Erica, because it addressed the critical need for hospitals and health systems to be paid appropriately for delivering healthcare services so they can continue providing the services. Um, and as far as the authors were able to determine, this was the first study of its kind aimed at really understanding the relative costs of delivering these services compared with in-person services. So the authors wanted to make a case that could be presented to payers, and that includes CMS, regarding just how much payment would be necessary to maintain health telehealth services as a financially viable option. The authors took readers through a detailed analysis of costs for telehealth services compared with costs of in-person services, specifically for their orthopedic service line. For instance, uh, they looked at uh, comparative costs for tasks that needed to be performed before, during, and after a visit with estimated staff time required for each task. And they factored in things like the cost of the telehealth platform and advantages of using existing space, such as the hospital outpatient department uh, delivering those services. And they provided formulas for calculating costs based on relative volumes of telehealth versus in-person services. So their analysis was not intended to be definitive, uh, but they published the method and findings so that other organizations could adapt their approach as a basis per, for performing their own analyses. And in the end, the authors arrived at this conclusion, which I'll, I will quote, Recognizing the potentially huge benefits of telemedicine to patients, providers should continue to deliver these services. Yet, if payment for the services proves insufficient to cover the full cost of delivering them, healthcare providers will be challenged to deliver telehealth services to the extent they're needed to the detriment of the nation's healthcare system. So that's really why a study like this one is needed to raise awareness among payers of what's involved in delivering these really important services. This was a really good article. I thought the authors did a nice job of putting numbers to all of these things that we've been kind of talking about in, in a general way over the last year and a half of is telehealth going to stick? Is it not? And, and what they did was say, here's how. I'm not surprised that it was a very popular article this year. 
Another piece of content from HFM that did extremely well was Jill Geisler's leadership column, The Great Resignation, Reality or Myth. And Crystal, you work with Jill on the leadership column every month. Why do you think this topic got so much attention? You know, Erica, I think it was the headline that initially drew people in. We all started to hear that great resignation term bandied about last summer, but most of us weren't really sure what it was or even if it was a real thing or just another in a long line of the latest urban myths. Jill agreed to dig into the topic and answer those questions for HFMA members. Not only did she present evidence that people were indeed quitting their jobs in unusually high numbers, she also suggested concrete things that leaders could do to lessen the impact of the great resignation on their own organizations. And that's what our readers have come to expect from Jill. She zeroes in on a topic that's applicable to their current situation and then offers trustworthy, practical, actionable advice. I think all of that went into why this particular column got the attention that it did. I've noticed you mentioned the actionable advice, uh, something I've noticed about her columns, as well as the interview that she and I did this past February on this podcast is she always looks at things from the side of positivity. There's always some productive message that goes along with what she's saying. What were some of the, the biggest takeaways for you? What were the to-dos here? Yeah, Jill is awesome. I love her ability to always find that silver lining. In this particular case, Jill didn't just suggest concrete day-to-day -day things that leaders could do to handle the great resignation. She also encouraged them to actually look at it as an opportunity, chance to become or remain an employer of choice aka a great organization. In addition, Jill reminded leaders that even great organizations see turnover, and that's not always for negative reasons. People move on for new opportunities. They relocate, they retire, that's just life. The important thing is to keep in mind that staff who've left a great organization can often become some of their former employers, biggest cheerleaders and best recruiters, and that can help you turn a loss into a gain. Jill's columns are always really well read. I always enjoy reading them, as well as the work of our other great columnists. And Eric, we have a couple of really exciting new contributors to talk about next year, don't we? Yes. Well, first of all, Erica, we are absolutely thrilled to welcome Paul Keckley as a new columnist in the coming year. I'm guessing most listeners will be familiar with Keckley as, as a highly respected thought leader. Probably best known as the, the author of the Keckley Report. And, and that's where he provides insightful analysis and commentary on, on matters related to like health policy, key industry trends. And we're looking forward to his bringing that same kind of like engaging style and insight into a monthly column that's it's exclusive for HFM. And Keckley's got a penchant for asking the right questions and bringing objective data to, to bear to shed light on healthcare system challenges. And, and we really think readers are gonna value those qualities. We're also excited to have David Johnson, CEO of Foresight Health as a new columnist. Johnson specializes in providing strategic advice and leading research initiatives to inform healthcare organizations. And he's an author and a speaker who focuses on ways to positively transform the healthcare industry through innovation. And he's going to be focusing initially on specific challenges that nonprofit health systems need to address to improve the value of care delivery and community-wide health and, and to maintain their market relevance. 
And I would be remiss if I did not point out that both David Johnson and Paul Keckley have been guests on this podcast. They've both done interviews with our president and CEO, Joe Pfeiffer. Paul Keckley, as a matter of fact, was on the podcast last week. So listeners who missed it, please go back and listen to it. It was a really good conversation. As for HFM, the winter issue is out now. A new issue will drop in February, and we've got some great stories coming up for that issue and the next several months. You can read all of our current content by going to hfma.org, clicking topic, and then HFM. Thank you, Eric and Crystal. Thanks, Erica. It was a pleasure to be here with you today. Yeah, thanks so much, Erica. Last but not least, I want to discuss a special project that began this year and that I'm thrilled to say is coming back in 2022, HFMA's Healthcare 2030 series. The four editorial pieces that came out this year include original reporting from our writers, interviews with industry leaders, and survey information from 200 health system CFOs. So now I would like to bring in Brad Dennison, HFMA's Director of Content Strategy, and Paul Barr, one of our senior editors, to discuss the series and what's coming up. Hi, Brad and Paul. Hey, Erica. Hey, Erica. We've talked about this series a few times on the podcast. For anyone who might have missed it or maybe has not gotten a chance to review all the reports, uh, tell us about the series. Yeah, Erica, there are four parts to the series. These came out through the course of the year, starting in June. So we started with CFO of the Future. That came out in June. And then three sequential reports in October, November, and December. We had the Workforce of the Future, the Future of Consumer Expectations, and the Future of Strategic Investment. This whole series has been very popular this year. Even when I was at the annual conference, this is the thing that people wanted to stop me in the hall and talk about. It's the thing that I hear people quoting and sharing a lot on social media. So we're really proud of the work. I think workforce was very timely. Obviously, lots of workforce, labor force issues right now and very hot topic in healthcare. So that's gotten a lot of good traction. And I really liked the last part as well, the future strategic investment that was reported by our own Nick Hutt. And I think that, you know, one of the quotes in that from Paul Keckley, speaking of, was that hospitals won't be the hub of the wheel in 10 years. And I think that kind of summarized the series for me. And it really did a nice job of teeing up what's to come in 2022. My biggest takeaways came from the voices of the providers that are in the series. All four parts leaned heavily on speaking with officials from health systems and hospitals. and. They had a lot of interesting things to say, especially in regards to the consumer and things like having a digital front door. So I'm really looking forward to what they're going to have to say in the upcoming series. It, it was recently announced that we will be back next year with four more pieces to this series. Brad, when you told me about the topic of the first one, I just about jumped out of my seat because I'm really excited to dig into it. So should we tell the listeners what we're going to be looking at? Yeah, absolutely. You know, the plan for this was to go a year with these four reports. And it's always great to be so popular that you get a sequel. So that's what we're doing for next year. We're really excited about it. Right now, we're sort of in development with what those four pieces are going to be about. I mean, when you can do absolutely anything and it's a big blue sky, um, healthcare is a big place. And so we're really trying to narrow that focus right now. But we know for sure that the first part of the series is going to be about the loss of trust in healthcare as an institution. And I think that, you know, we haven't started the reporting on that, but this is something that we're hearing from members. We're not making this up. And I think the healthcare people who are listening to this probably know exactly what I'm talking about when I say it. And I think that is 
partly self-inflicted over the years. And that's what we hear from members, but also partly sort of part of this wave of alternative facts and misinformation and, and the various things that you have to fight in your community. And it's really manifested itself, I think, with the COVID vaccine. So we're going to be looking at, you know, how that loss of trust has happened and, and the different sort of wins at work that have caused that to be and how to regain that trust. So that's where the series will kick off last year. I think that will be a fairly dramatic piece to this. And yes, I know the three of us have spent a lot of time talking about this topic. And I think that it is one of those things that comes up a lot in sessions with members of late. And, and we know it's a thing that, that people are struggling with. The article is going to explore some real issues that lead to some reflection on the part of the industry in terms of what people have to say about it. Yeah, definitely. And some of the other topics we've discussed, um, really looking forward to seeing how next year's series evolves. Um, but we are not done talking about the topics that we've covered this year. On January 10th, we're going to be putting out a podcast episode with Charles Alston from Bank of America and Melissa McCain from the Chartist Group. And those are two of the organizations that supported the series this year. Uh, we are talking about all four pieces that were in the series, as well as some of the topics discussed in the panel session at the annual conference, which we mentioned a few minutes ago. Brad and Paul, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. Thank you. Voices in Healthcare Finance is produced by the Healthcare Financial Management Association and written and hosted by me, Erica Grotto. Sound editing is by Linda Chandler. Brad Dennison is our Director of Content Strategy. Our President and CEO is Joe Pfeiffer. We will be back on January 3rd with author and speaker Anton Gunn. He's spoken at several HFMA events, so if you've been there for any of those, you know this is an episode that you don't want to miss. So go ahead, hit subscribe in your favorite podcast app and get every episode delivered right to you. If you want to contact our team in the meantime, please reach out. You can reach us at podcast at hfma.org. We're just going to wing it and see what happens.